Today is Valentine's Day, so we're talking about love. In particular, we are talking about two distortions of love. The first is the way that modern Valentine's Day pushes an effeminate and perverse view of romance. The second is a sacrilegious depiction of Jesus' love that we saw during the Super Bowl. False views of love are connected because they ultimately come from a false view of God, who is love. Both of these distortions require the same response. Strong men must exercise godly patriarchal love and put to death the effeminate, perverse, and idolatrous imposters. All right, I've got a couple of announcements real quick before we get started, but welcome back to the show. We took the last two weeks off. Uh, last week I was traveling. I was actually in Ogden, Utah, visiting some of the refuge guys and taking my wife and children on a uh, much-desired snow trip. <laughs> my girls have been praying for snow um, for a little bit over a year now. I mean, it's mid-July, and we're in family worship, <laughs> and they are all three praying for snow. Uh, we're trying to teach them as they pray, um, you know, to thank God, start with, uh, you know, prayers of thanksgiving um, and praise, and then ask God, petitions, and the petition is always snow. Which Ending means, with, if thy will be done on that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, Lord, <laughs> yeah, we're trying to teach them to throw in some Lord willing caveats per the book of James. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they've been praying for snow, so we got to do that, got to sled, that was a lot of fun. And then the week before, uh, we actually, we ran the live stream, but it wasn't yeah. with Michael and Wesley, we we did it with um, uh, Brian Sauvet and Ben Garrett were in town, we were working on a project, uh, which we're really excited about. You guys have probably heard this announcement, if you haven't, um, then I'll go ahead and make it briefly now. Uh, we have our Friday special, right? So every Monday we have um, we have a show. It's called Theology Applied, where I interview a guest. They pipe in remotely. Every Wednesday we do our live stream. Uh, that's with Michael and Wesley. Um, and then every Friday we call it the Friday special. It's a, a season-based show with anywhere from you know eight to twelve episodes, and it comes out quarterly. So right now we're in Q1, January through March, and it's with uh, Isker, Andrew Isker, and A.D. Robles uh, covering Isker's book, The Boniface Option. A lot of you guys have benefited uh, from this uh, season one and uh, and have voiced your appreciation. We're grateful for your encouragement. Uh, Q2, though, starting in April, will be Brian Sauvet and Ben Garrett and myself on all things Fortean, high strangeness, those, those types. We're going to talk about fairies. We're going to talk about Bigfoot. We're going to talk about Hollow Earth, Primary Water Theory, Atlantis. You look like you want to say something, Wesley. No, that sounds off the chain. It's going to be great. <laughs> It'll be good. So that's going to be April, May, and June. So that's coming up. And so anyways, two weeks ago, we paused the live stream um, to just because Ben and Brian were in town doing the recording project for the Friday special for uh, Q2. And so uh, we just pumped you know, a quick 20, 30-minute live stream with them. And then last week, again, I was out of town. So here we are. We're back. So if you're new to the channel, uh, every Monday at 4 p.m. and then every Wednesday, that's the live stream, what we're doing right now with Michael Wesley at 4 p.m. Uh, and then lastly, the Friday special, a season-based show that's quarterly, uh, same thing, 4 p.m. Central Time. So uh, without further ado, well, actually, I have a little bit more <laughs> ado. Um, one, one other thing that I want to mention is um, Wesley and Michael, they alternate each week. So they're helping us choose a topic and writing up show notes and, and not just show notes in an outline form, but um, an actual, you know, inclusive uh, article on the subject, anywhere from 750 to 1500 words. And so every single week for this live stream, we actually have uh, the content in written form in an article. 
And what we're doing is instead of posting those uh, publicly, we're doing the live stream public. It's free. It's on YouTube and Twitter and every, everywhere else you want to find it. Uh, so that's um, a free public service for you guys to watch and enjoy. Uh, but if you want to read in written form the article that, that Michael and Wesley are writing each week, uh, you can find that by simply becoming a member at our Patreon. So if you head over to patreon.com forward slash right response ministries, patreon.com forward slash right response ministries, and you join us on Patreon, you'll be able to get the articles every single week. Uh, you'll also be able to get early ad-free access to the Friday special. So right now you can watch the whole season with Andrew Isker and A.D. Robles. Same thing in April, as soon as we drop the first episode with Brian and uh, Sovey and Ben Garrett. Um, you'll be able to, if you're a Patreon member, you'll be able to get the whole season, all 10 episodes up front ad free. And then lastly, it's also worth joining our Patreon because uh, we have our conference coming up. So March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, that's Friday through uh, Sunday, um, just in about two and a half weeks, uh, we have our conference. It's, uh, it's called uh, Christendom, Blueprints for Christendom 2.0. We've got Doug Wilson, myself, uh, Brian Sauvey, Eric Kahn, Joe Boot, uh, a number of guys who are coming uh, to that conference. And for $10 a month, right? I've already said, I think a couple of weeks ago, you know, a uh, little known secret, everybody knows it, but uh, you're more than welcome to sign up for Patreon, become a member and live stream the conference for 10 bucks and then cancel your account. If you do that, no harm, no foul. We won't be offended. Um, a lot of uh, guys, you know, they don't live stream the conference at all. If they do, you know, usually it's, it's you know, maybe it's free, uh, but oftentimes I've seen it 40, 50, 60, 70 bucks. So $10 is a pretty good deal. So if you're not able to be there in person for our conference, March 1st through 3rd, uh, Blueprints for Christendom 2.0, uh, but you want to live stream it, maybe you live in New Zealand or Australia, you're far away, Canada, you know, one of those uh, hell holes. Uh, <laughs> you know, God bless you for your faithful Christian witness there. Uh, but if you're a prisoner, you know, in, in one of those communist countries and uh, you want to uh, live stream the conference because you can't be there in person, then join us again on Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash right response ministries uh, or Patreon. Yeah. Patreon.com forward slash right response ministry. So uh, that's about it. Um, also, I guess you could come in person to our conference. So if you do live somewhere nearby, the conference is going to be hosted in Taylor, Texas. Um, so that's a little bit outside of Austin, Texas. Uh, so Taylor, Texas, again, it's March 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Uh, go to our website, go to rightresponseconference.com, rightresponseconference.com, and uh, you can actually register to be there in yeah. person. It's not too late. We've got about 50 tickets left. So it's it's almost sold out. We're right there uh, underneath the fire code. So we've got about 50 seats that are left. Uh, so if you want to register and if you want to save a buck, uh, type in haunted for a 20% mm. discount, uh, haunted, because we're doing a live Haunted Cosmos panel with Brian and Ben at the conference. So type in Haunted, H-A-U-N-T-E-D, um, in the promo code box, and you can get a 20% discount if you want to attend the conference in person. All right, here we go. Michael, thanks for waiting. Yep. Go ahead and kick us off. Great. As Joel said, uh, we're talking about love today and not necessarily romantic love, um, but maybe touching on that a little bit. And as I was thinking through the article on uh, Valentine's Day and then the, the Super Bowl He Gets Us ad came up, and a lot of what we're going to say today is going to be objecting to the way that romance and love are currently depicted in our society, mm -hmm. right? Very troubling, very unbiblical, uh, very damaging and harmful even for, for people, any people, but Christians especially, to buy into these false ideas of love and romance. I mean, you look at... Uh, 
N- I was shocked. NPR. I shouldn't be shocked. I don't know why, <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I guess I'm glad I can still be shocked, right? I guess that's good. NPR had a promoted list of um, alternative uh, love songs for those who are into the alternative love romance songs. So this is anything from self-love, and there are now people who marry themselves. Did you know that? No. Uh, they have official ceremonies. Um, so there's self-romance, and then there's all the LGBTQ romance. And so they had a whole playlist that people could go on for this Valentine's Day to um, hear songs that would affirm and catchy tunes and emotional music. And um, so we have all those lies about romance. And then we have the lies about love that we see in the He Gets Us ads. And we're going to get into that a little bit later. But at the core, especially of the He Gets Us ad, is this idea that Christians, a lot of us, have come to believe that what we need to do is just be nicer. Mm. We need to affirm more where people are at and what they're doing. And if we can out-nice them and out-affirm them, they are finally going to be so compelled by that that will be the message of Jesus to them. And what? I don't even know that he gets us at is not calling for repentance. Yeah. They're on record um, from last year's Super Bowl saying, this is not about repentance. Mm-hmm. This is just about connecting with people. Right. Right. But as I was thinking about that, I thought, okay, is this effective? Is this an effective strategy? Mm. All right. And uh, credit where credit's due, I heard a blurb about this on Steve Dace's show, but then I went and did some research. And it, it just, I want to say here at the beginning, that even if we bend over backwards to accommodate and quote unquote love this sort of perverse behavior, it doesn't get us anywhere. Right. Um, I was thinking a lot of you heard probably about the shooting that happened at Joel Osteen's church just this last Sunday. And it was a uh, transgender woman, woman who thinks she's a man who went in and um, she had several rifles and, went in and uh, shot several people in this church. And why is that significant? Well, the reason this is significant is in 2010, Houston elected the first openly gay mayor of a major city in America. First time ever in American history that a, a very out and proud mayor was elected. She's a lesbian and she... Um, she immediately went on to try and push for uh, access to restrooms and bathrooms for anyone. You know, if a man thinks he's a woman, he can go in. And, and businesses can't say no because it's public accommodations. Now, the way that this all connects is the pastor who showed up to do her prayer of blessing and invocation at her mayoral inauguration was Joel Osteen. Mm. Joel Osteen. Mm. And when this mayor started pushing in Houston for this policy change that businesses would have to allow men to go into women's bathrooms and women to go into men's bathrooms, there was a movement by pastors, praise the Lord, pastors mobilized, and they defeated the measure pretty soundly, to be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. it it wasn't close. They did defeat the measure. But Joel Osteen was not one of those pastors. He was nowhere to be found. He was nowhere to be found. So he's there to be found in, in her invocation and the affirmation of this. Yes. It was a woman? Yep. Uh, so uh, publicly... Anise Parker. Okay, so publicly outspoken, openly gay female mayor. Yes. First one of a major yes. city in America. In America. In yep. America. yep. So Texas beat California? We did. In <laughs> yep. gayness? Wow, yep. that's that's embarrassing. So anyways, so not not our brightest moment. So nope. 2010, this is you know, almost 15 years ago wow. at this point, and, and the person who's doing the invocation, the prayer, 
and and affirmation and yay, she's our champion is Joel Osteen. Joel Osteen. And then what we're saying is that 14 years later, his affirmation of sodomy, homosexuality, transgenderism, yep. a man being able to use, because yep. that was one of her big policies that she yep. pushed for, a man being able to use a female you know, restroom and vice versa. Uh, his, his presence there at her inauguration um, did not save him from a transgender shooting up his church. No. Was, I'm shocked. Do wow. you feel shocked? I, I thought for I sure imagine. that that would, you know, that would be the blood of the lamb on the, you know, on the mm. mantle yep. and the doorpost. So, guys, that she, the angel of transgenderism, you know, would, yep, would, pass, would pass over, over. deadliness. You know? yeah. No, she drove fifty miles wow. from her home to Lakewood Church. Think about how many churches she passed along the mm. way with less security too. You yeah, have to know much Lakewood less Church security. is a well secured yep, they facility. Do. They do. It's huge. Yep. So this idea. That if we just placate, if we affirm, if we out, you be you, you do you, we love mm. you where you're at, the way you are. If we outdo the world in that behavior, that is going to get their attention. That's going to make them want to, I guess, join our side. That is a bunch of garbage. Mm. That is a bunch of garbage. In fact, all that does, all that does is it lets our enemy know when he really gets serious who the weak ones are and who to come for first. Yeah. So I hear you, but... What if we change the example from sexuality, the sexual revolution, transgenderism, and we made it about immigration? Surely if we were kind with that and we got rid of the razor wire, you know, stop building in. a wall, welcome them in, then you know, military-aged fighting illegal immigrants, they would be kind to us though, right? It, it is once only you get a matter of Once you get time. enough of them. Once you get, a, once a we certain get enough number of, of millions. Yeah, we only have 10 million point. over the last three years. And yeah. if we could just get, I don't know, 50 million? 150 million, yeah, even and out. Million. If it's yeah. half and half, they'd really feel welcome. They'd really feel welcome. It, it is only a matter of time before the headline is family who took in a military-aged man as an illegal immigrant. Right. Yep. Yep. Sin, I think one of the best ways to think of it is like a cancer. There's no cancer that once it takes over half of your lung okay, I'm good enough. I won't progress. Right. I won't take more healthy right. tissue. Yep. It will consume everything. First Corinthians 15 says the sting of sin is death. Sin will always, as it keeps finding access and opportunity to person, it'll result either in death or repentance will be the balm that stops it. So when it comes to giving in to sexuality, to immigration that's unchecked and destroying your own people, those don't end at a certain point. Oh, well, we've had up to here and it'll say no more. Just uh, indulge this much. When has lust ever been? Oh, this is enough. Yep. It's very characters that it will consume as much as you give it until spiritual, ultimate, physical death or repentance. Mm. That's one of the two options. And so giving in a little bit here or a little bit there, that will never get you any progress. Right. And we see that in scripture so plainly. Like Jesus says, you know, uh, like fresh water doesn't come from a saltwater spring, you know, mm. or a saltwater from a freshwater spring or, you know... Uh, a tree with you know bad roots doesn't produce good fruit, or a tree with good roots doesn't produce bad fruit. Right. But we think, and this applies to all of us, even yeah. for us who are Christians and born yeah. again and saved by grace, as we seek. So this applies nationally, you know, socially, culturally, but it also applies individually to our sanctification, to our own, you know, desire to mortify, you know, sin, uh, like John Owen, you know, the mortification right. of sin, and those. You know, like, uh, do not deal with sin with light, you know, in few yeah. blows, you know, like, but the, we're, we're not trying to sequester sin. We're not trying to quarantine sin or subdue sin, but ultimately we want to mortify. We need to kill it. Yeah. We need to kill sin because if you don't render to sin the death blow, 
then it will come back and it'll come back with a with a vengeance it'll come mm. back if anything it's like fighting against our sin and sanctification is like uh trying to destroy a hornet's nest mm-hmm. like you you better get it uh, yeah. because if you don't you know then you just yeah. ticked off the hornets yeah. and and they're going to get you and so um, but same kind of thing, you know. It's it's funny that we would think that our our lives, like using Jesus' illustration of a tree, that w- that we could somehow, you know, that, that we'd be so arrogant to think that we could somehow designate one particular limb of the right. tree for bearing bad fruit, but that the rest is going to yeah. bear good fruit. You know, it's just one limb, and we and this is the designated limb, and this limb's it's that entirely acceptable right now right, for this one. It's very right. cool in the north to have rotten apples. Right. You got to understand exactly, <laughs> and and it's and it's entirely you know separate from the rest of the. It doesn't affect the rest of the tree, no, like. No. But that would be you know we're being facetious, but that would be preposterous yeah. to think that um, like if we were actually if I if I was you know um, if if I had an orchard. You know, and, th- and that's what I did. You know, like I, I had fruit trees and I was feeding my own children, my own family with those trees. If there was a tree that had, you know, a, a limb of just poisonous fruit, absolutely poisonous, um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't still, you know, um, you know, pluck fruit from the other limbs and give it to my kids. I would just say, this is a bad tree. I'd, I'd yeah. take down the whole, I might even, you know, investigate that whole portion of the orchard, you know, mm, and right. it might be right. not just that whole tree, but it may be. Yeah. You know, dozens of trees within its vicinity. You know, like we would, we would take it seriously because we're not talking about just the lack of fruit, right? So the example—it's yeah. not just one limb that doesn't yeah. bear fruit. It's—it's mm. it's not. Um, it's not no fruit. It's bad fruit. And right. when we say bad fruit, we mean uh, lethal fruit, poisonous fruit—the fruit that will that's, kill you. So we're not just it. talking about this tree has good fruit, and then a certain portion of the tree, a certain limb has no fruit. No, there's poisonous fruit here. And if there's poison here, it comes from the root, and the the root will never affect a single branch. It'll affect the whole thing. That's right. So, all right, well, let's go ahead and cut to our first commercial. When we come back, though, we want to talk about He Gets Us, the Super yep. Bowl ad heard around the, the world. And uh, and then we also want to tie that into Valentine's Day, yep. today's Valentine's Day, and talk about how both uh, there are some massive problems, and not even so much with Valentine's Day in its origin, right. uh, but what it's become in the West with this eros, you know, effeminate, you know, just... I don't know, trite love, yeah. this trite, mm-hmm. uh, very, very sensual, sexual, erotic love. Yeah. Um, and so we'll talk about Valentine's Day. We'll talk about the He Gets Us ad. Uh, I think it should have been called He Hates Us, you know, like, <laughs> um, and in the sense, it's like, it's really like uh, two parts. It's He Gets Them, but He Hates You, Yeah. Mm. Uh, right? Like the 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 one scene, um, it was a, a picture of uh, some a, a woman was washing another woman's feet outside of an abortion mm-hmm. clinic, right? An abortion murder mill. Um, and then it, over on, on the side, you know, there's actually, yeah. you know, people who are protesting. And the assumption is these are, you know, white Christian evangelicals who, you know, God forbid, are protesting yeah. against murdering babies. Yeah. Um, and, and, but it's not just he gets us. It's, it, no, it's he gets her, namely the woman who's about to murder her, her child, uh, but he hates them. You know, and, and wasn't there a story, correct me if I'm wrong, but recently, weren't there like two elderly women who were yes, outside of an yes, abortion clinic they protesting? They were, they were just praying. praying. They were yep. just quietly praying, not even out loud, or at least not very loud. They were blocking an interior corridor, which back in Bill Clinton's administration, there were Christians doing that, like saying, you can't go murder your child. So they put this really heavy duty act that allowed a high penalty. So they were kind of blocking the interior corridor. And under that act, they could be charged with up to 11 years. And they got it. I think it's still up to sentencing, but okay. it might be. But they but they're going to trial and they could get yeah. yes, they've up been to convicted. eleven years. Yeah. So elderly women in their sixties or seventies yeah. may go to jail for a decade. Yes. 
but uh, but yeah. but he gets the woman who's going to murder her child. He mm-hmm. gets he gets her. He hates grandma, right? He's yeah. like that. That he gets us at is literally like it makes it reminds me of you know throwback all the way to Andrew Cuomo, right? The the mm-hmm. the number one uh, grandma killer, the true grandma oh, killer right. in the United States, yes. right? Like uh, yep. you know the god that they portrayed in that ad is a god who who hates um, the loving grandmother yeah. who yeah. who cares for babies but loves uh, the woman who is on her fourth abortion. So, all right, we'll come back uh, right after this. Are you a Christian struggling to find companies that align with your values and beliefs? Well, then Squirrely Joe's has you covered for all your coffee needs. All of their coffee is hand-selected and roasted fresh every day by a family of fellow believers. Try them out and you'll savor exceptional coffee while knowing that your investment supports a company committed to following God's teachings and upholding truth and righteousness, ensuring that your hard-earned money contributes to the growth of God's kingdom. Stop giving your hard-earned dollars to pagans who support evil. Right Response listeners have access to an exclusive deal. Your first bag of coffee is free. All you have to do is cover the shipping. So head on over to squirrelyjoes.com forward slash right response. Again, that's squirrelyjoes.com forward slash right response to claim your first free bag of coffee today. All right, welcome back. And uh, we're going to jump into the He Gets Us ad a little bit here. And as I was thinking about this, uh, a lot has been said over the last couple of days. I mean, if you're on social media or YouTube following Christian or uh, channels at all, a lot has been said. But the thing that kind of clicked... But not as good as we're going to say. Not as good as, not as, not <laughs> right. as, good as what we're going to say, no. Not first, but we might be the best. But the thing that I wanted to say was the problem with the He Gets Us ad, a lot of people are saying it's a bad definition of love, right? Jesus is, is loving sin, really. He's, he's affirming sin. He's not calling that abortion-seeking woman to repent, and abandon her sin, he's there with her, you know, even maybe um, comforting her as she goes through this process. And so a lot of people have said the problem with it is that it's portraying love for the wrong things or a weak and effeminate love, which is just happy to sit in the mud and be muddy with them. Right. Mm -hmm. But what clicked for me is that because we know in 1 John that God is love, any false view of love that we have is because we have a false view of God. You cannot mm-hmm. have a, a, an accurate view of God, or you, let me say it differently. If you have a false view of what love is, if you have a weak view of what love is, love is just allowing people to feel affirmed in their identity, it's because you have a false view of God. Yeah. And when we make God in our image, and this ad, make no mistake, this was a making of Jesus in our own image. Right When we make God in our image, the kind of love that is produced out of that false god is going to be weak, effeminate, dangerous, sinful, damaging, wicked. It's going to produce all sorts of compromise with sin because that's what we do. We want to be affirmed. Right. The problem with the ads is that, you know, so many people mention the story of the woman at the, uh, the, the adulterous woman, the woman caught in adultery. And Jesus, uh, uh, yeah, John 8, yeah, Jesus arrives and he says, you know, uh, he was without sin, cast the first stone. And then he says, woman, do none of them accuse you? She says, none, Lord. And he's down on the dirt with her. And then he says, neither do I condemn you. Sorry, mm-hmm. it's, it's condemn, not accused. Yeah. That's an important word. None of them condemn you. I don't condemn you either. 
The problem that we miss with that is that she lived in a society where the law of God was clearly mm-hmm. in play. Everyone in that society knew that they were justly condemned. Right. She was condemned and she knew it. And the religious leaders knew it. And Jesus knew it. Mm-hmm. Jesus cannot set aside his own law in order to have this squishy kind of kind, nice guy act, mm. right? When we live in a society where people know they're condemned, then the loving thing is to bring the gospel, to bring the hope mm-hmm. that comes from repentance. But that is not the society that we live in. No, not anymore. The no. loving thing to do now is people need to know they're condemned. People mm-hmm. must know that God, that they are, we need more Jonathan Edwards, that they are sinners in the hand of an angry God. Mm-hmm. The stooping to their level makes no sense when I'm the most important person in the world, of course you'd come hang out with right. me, hmm. right? It right. only matters when I'm convinced that I'm a wretch. Yeah. And someone says, actually, Jesus, Zacchaeus, will come and dine with you. What, with me? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. when, that's powerful. Right. It people, creates. yeah, in our culture, people aren't shocked by grace yeah. uh, because they don't even view it as grace. Grace means unmerited favor, undeserved love. It's something that that you, you haven't you haven't earned. Um, it's it's uh, it's someone loving you when you've been un unlovable. Un, you know, you're 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 not a lovable person. Um, and so that's you know the the scandal of grace. You know, yeah. like we've heard lots of sermons. You know, gospel centered centered gospel gospel sermons about the scandal of grace. Um, but the scandal of grace, um, grace is only a scandal on the backdrop of a society yeah. that understands the holiness and love of God. Yeah. Well, mm. You know, if you skip over God's holiness and His law, um, then you're, you know, then you you ultimately lose uh, the depth and the weight of grace. Grace is only weighty yeah. uh, when the problem of sin is weighty. Mm. It creates an opposite side of the coin. So. We've all encountered this action when we go to pride parades, to street preach, to evangelize. About 50-50, some of the resistance, some of those antagonizing, they'll be pagans. They'll be like, I hate Christ, I hate God. But we actually encounter, oftentimes, the resistance is coming from other professing Christians. So I remember last year we went to an event to preach and to share the gospel. The mayor opened with a prayer, blessing the parade, quoting the psalm that says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So when we say uh, Jesus is about non-judgment. Jesus is about love. Jesus is about inclusion. Jesus is about acceptance. Non-Christians and even supposed Christians, they think that's Christianity. So then you come up to them and say, you have to repent of your sin. You can't right. live in this lifestyle. It's a rejection and rebellion against your creator. They'll say, no, 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 no. Uh, no, Jesus was this. I remember talking to a woman and she's like, oh, are y'all just Old Testament or do you have the New Testament too? As if like I didn't know there was like a sequel to it. Oh, I was old Old Testament. The wrath, the judgment of God, all these laws. But the New Testament, well, Jesus is loving. Jesus is affirming. Jesus would do all this. And you almost have to convert them out of the Christianity right. that they think Christianity is, mm-hmm. say, no, this is actually Christianity. Right. Now lay down your arms to the king who's coming to conquer, to rule. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. But that's really powerful. If you can get the majority of the populace, 200 million people that watch the Super Bowl, to think, oh, that's Christianity. I don't agree with it. I'm not a Christian. But if someone's claiming to be a Christian, I guess it looks like that. Kind of mm-hmm. limp-wristed, yep. effeminate, well, it weak. Look like that. Yep. You're not even a real Christian. And anybody who claims to be a Christian and doesn't look like that, yes. I'm going to correct them. Right. Yeah. Because I know what a real Christian should right. be. Right. Yeah, you're right. It's yeah. a huge problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, I don't know. We, we've talked about this before, but I, I think this is going to be the theme for the next decade, uh, probably longer. Uh, but uh, you know, it makes me think of just 
um, there's just such a, um, a disdain towards nature. Mm. Um, you know, so like whether right. it's, whether it's, uh, nations and borders, you know, or whether it's, um, you know, um, natural, um, marriages of, you know, one man and one woman or, you know, natural, you know, children and, you know, you know, your posterity and these kinds of things. There's just such a war on that. And all, all the things that you ultimately that you see is, uh, they're, they're unnatural. So it's mm. like, he gets us, AKA, you know, what, what they mean, like it's, he understands us, he sympathizes, right. he affirms, um, he loves. And, and what, what is it that God gets? Uh, who is it that God, um, that God loves and affirms and, uh, you know, sympathizes with everything outside of the natural order? Yep. Um, mm. It's, you know, it's the immigrant um, who, um, you know, I mean, a picture says a thousand words. So, you know, it, it's, it, it's not explicitly saying this um, in verbal form, but the assumption with everything going on in our nation right now and all the illegal immigrants, you know, 2 million illegal immigrants in a year, 3 million total, um, you know, immigrants, but 2 million being um, illegal, uh, that's, that's the assumption. So you see, you know, the immigrant being welcomed, he gets them. It's, uh, he, you know, what the message there is, he affirms uh, the illegal immigrant. He affirms the transgender person. He affirms uh, the woman who's getting an abortion. He affirms uh, the criminal, you know, next to the police officer. It's not that he affirms or gets, he doesn't get the police officer. Screw the police officer. Mm -hmm. yeah. He gets the criminal, right? And, and so, um, but there's, but in that there's no... The problem is that there's no um, no communication whatsoever of that this is a because God does love those people, yes. but right. there's no but there's no communication of how radical that is of the holiness of God that this person um, is in sin and that yes God does love them by an act of His grace. Yep. This is the grace of God, and it's exactly what you said, Michael. I think that's so helpful that um, in at the time of Christ in this you know, with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious, you know, lawyers and, and all these rulers, uh, what was going on um, at that time, it, 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 everybody, everybody understood, if anything, that the, the, the reigning mantra of the day was uh, that none of us are good enough for God. Right. Mm -hmm. That is not the culture that we live in today. To think that is just to, to so miss Yep. Uh, the times to, to just be so clueless um, of, of where we are and when we are. Um, the culture that we live in today, you tell someone that God loves them and, you know, they may not verbally say this, you know, but, but their thought is, of course he does. Why wouldn't he? Mm. I'm awesome. In fact, God would be wrong. God would yep. be uh, cruel. God would be this or that to yep. not love me, to do anything but love me. I'm, I'm amazing. And so in, in Jesus' day, again, in that context, in that culture at that time, um, John chapter eight, the woman caught in adultery. Um, she is, is painfully aware, yep. mm. painfully aware that she's, and I could just, I, I would not be surprised if somebody's listening to this right now and say, well, the woman at the abortion clinic, Joel, like you think that she's not aware that she's a sinner? Uh, -uh. Nope. no, um, I'm not saying that no one is, I'm not saying that no, I'm not saying that there's sure. not, uh, that there's never a woman who goes, uh, guilt ridden to Planned Parenthood and kills her child and, and knows the whole time that she's doing something that's heinous and wicked. Um, so I'm not saying that, that there's no one like that. Uh, but I think here's part of the problem. The reason why Christians will, will, will uh, agree with like that he gets us ad is because they're not actually doing real evangelism because all it takes, like, like Wesley said, all it takes, um, part of what's changed our opinion is actually doing evangelism. Mm -hmm. So like when we go to the Taylor pride, you know, festival and preach the gospel, 
um, and and receive vitriol and yeah. and absolute hatred. You know, people you know saying things that I I can't say publicly right. on air. You know, I mean, people who who want you dead and will say that punched last year. Yeah, one of the men in our church was punched. Me from speaking exactly yeah so one yep. of the men in our church yep. just to you know put a point on it was punched in the face Jubilee. repeatedly repeatedly yep. yep um and so so all that being said and then he got charged yes. and mm. then he got charged um legally and had to go to multiple court appearances and all this kind of stuff and put his whole you know life and, and career in jeopardy for a while and this is a, a member in good standing in our local church we were there we were eyewitnesses he did nothing he did yep. nothing he was using words preaching the gospel yep. And this, you know, person punches him in the face. And so, anyway, Jeff Durbin talks about this. You know, like when people say, you know, the second victim narrative when it comes to right. abortion. You know, well, like mm-hmm. there's two victims. You know, the baby, yeah, sure, that's a real shame. You know, a baby being, you know, chopped up into parts and sucked out with a vacuum cleaner. You know, cry me a river. But the real victim, right, the second victim is the mother. Right. Right. She's a victim too. In fact, she's really more of a victim. You know, that's... You know, that's that's what you get from Bart Barber. That's, you know, like with the SBC, the ERLC, that's yep. what you get with uh, yep. Leatherwood. That's what you get with Russell Moore. Yep. That's what you get with Beth Moore anymore. You know, they'll, they'll all do um, in terms of being, you know, libtards. But that's that's the reigning mantra is, you know, she's really the victim. The murder is the victim. The baby um, is, you know, a, a, an additional victim, you know, but, but, and so, but Jeff Durbin, when he talks about that, you know, and talking about, you know, equal protection, Right? There needs right. to be laws for equal protection, meaning equal protection, just to break that down, because people will hear that from the abolitionist you know, position all the time, but maybe a lot of people are new to this and don't know what it means. Equal protection means uh, equal penalties, uh, and equal penalties ultimately means uh, equal dignity. Um, and, and so to, to draw that line, uh, what it means is if, if you're fighting for legislation when it comes to abortion that is going to, uh, that's going to, um, to hold um, and, uh, equal protection, what, what it's saying is that um, if there are lesser penalties for a woman who, who has an abortion than uh, a homicide yep. in any other context, then ultimately what you're saying is if the penalties aren't equal, right? You can have an abortion with impunity, right? Maybe the abortion doctor, he can get a fine, or maybe he can get thrown in jail, but the woman is not uh, a criminal. She's done no wrong. There is no legal sanction against her, none whatsoever. Then what you're doing is you're declaring open season on Mm -hmm. one particular class of people, namely the unborn. Could you imagine if we did that in any other context? If we said, you know, um, it is perfectly legal to, um, to murder... Uh, black people or white people or anyone under the age of 18 or anyone over the age of 60 or what, like that, like if, if there's no, you know, or if you said, well, it's, it's frowned upon and it's not even legal, but there's a lesser penalty, right? If you murder uh, someone who's 35 years old, you're going to spend the rest of your life in jail. But if you murder someone over the age of 70, uh, then it's a $5,000 fine. Right. Well, what are you going to get? You're going to get a lot more murders of people over the age of 70. So equal penalties. It's, we're not, it's not trying to be mean-spirited. It's trying to be kind to babies. Not trying to be mean to women. Trying to be kind to babies. Well, to actually love but we're being loving babies. to women. It is loving to the women, because too. Because it will prevent yeah. them yeah. from killing their baby. Which destroys her soul and yep. wreaks mm-hmm. all kinds of havoc yep. the rest of her life with guilt and all these. So you're right. It's loving to both. But, but the point is, equal yep. penalties, if you, if you say, no, uh, abortion is going to be treated the same way as homicide, that's an equal penalty, yep. and what that does is it creates an equal protection, yep. that now babies in the womb are protected just as much as someone's a life outside of the womb, yep. and by giving equal penalties, you created equal protection, and then equal protection, what it conveys is equal dignity. 
So anybody who doesn't hold to equal penalties that believes that the woman is a second victim cannot say that the child in the womb has equal dignity right. to the... Un they have to say that this life is of a lesser value. Mm. It may have some value, but it is of a lesser value because the only way that you can make the argument biblically and logically to say that the, the unborn child has equal dignity, that they're, they, they may not be fully developed in a physical sense, but they are an equal image bearer of the living God from conception in the womb. They don't have to be born and breathe their first breath before they gain dignity. They gain dignity the moment of their um, their conception. The only way to to ultimately um, stand behind that argument of equal dignity is to say, and therefore, equal protection. Yep. And the only way to have equal protection is to say, um, to do harm is going to to derive equal penalties. And so all that being said, that's a freebie, but all that being said, Jeff Durbin has hold, held that position faithfully for a very long time, and he has done uh, ministry, public preaching, street preaching at abortion clinics um, with that kind of, right. of rhetoric and preaching a full-throated gospel um, that Jesus saves sinners. You are a sinner, but also there is grace in Jesus Christ right. to save sinners. And uh, Jeff Durbin will be the first to tell you, and many others who have done faithful abortion ministry, mm. um, you find out real quick, real quick, um, that, that these people, um, they're, they're not... Um, Again, there may be some, there's anecdotal evidence, but by and large, these are not people who are weighing underneath guilt. They will sneer, they will laugh, they will mock, they will scream. Yep. Uh, the women, they, they won't say, oh, I had no idea that I was doing something wrong. Yep. Um, they'll, they'll, what, what they'll say instead is they'll say, um, I love yep. murdering my child. Yeah. I'm excited. I'm, I, I, like, women have literally said, um, if I could go back and 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 make you know and somehow make it to where I wasn't pregnant, or stay as it is and get to murder the, the child. I'd pick the latter. I want. It's not that I don't want to be pregnant. I want to be not pregnant, and I want the blood of my child. Mm. Um, I I want to kill. I love it. I mean, I remember watching the the feminist you know baby murder women on the steps of uh, yes. the Supreme oh. Court taking abortion pills. Yep. You know, mm. in public, in front of like we're killing our babies, and we love it. We love it. We love it. That was not all that to land the plane on this. That was not the woman caught in adultery in John chapter eight. Yep. That woman was was torn under the weight of her sin. That woman was in tears, not raging, but mm. crying, weeping. Yep. She knew she was a sinner. Her her uh, rhetoric uh, to Christ uh, was was not thank you for saving me from my oppressors. These yep. guys are really wrong, aren't they, Jesus? Yep. You're on my side. These yep. guys are the real the real sinners. No, th there was nothing like that. She's not saying, oh, you saved me from. Uh, I was about to be wrongfully uh, uh, held accountable for my crime, yep. or, or or this this was entrapment, or this was abuse, or they this were was slut shaming me. Yeah, they were slut shaming <laughs> me. They were like none of that. Yep. No, no, no. Her her sentiment is, I'm guilty. I know I'm guilty, and I can't believe. Yep. that you're showing me mercy. Thank you. So mercy can come as the first Amen. word out of your mouth on the backdrop of a society and a culture uh, that is already thoroughly yep. steeped in the law of God, where people know that they're condemned under the law of God uh, because they're sinners. And, and, and the only thing that, if there's anything they don't know, it's not that they don't know the law of God and their sinfulness. If there's anything they don't know, it's the grace of God and the salvation that he holds Amen. out to those who would have faith in Jesus. That is not the world we're living in. If you think we're still living in that world, you have no clue what time it is. If you're a pastor and you think we're living in that world, that's going to, to, uh, to shape uh, every aspect of your ministry, from your preaching to your discipleship, your counseling, and you should resign. Yep. You need to step yep. down immediately and resign. That is so far from the world that we're living in, then I, I don't even know. Yep. You are so clueless, you have disqualified yourself. 
on, on the basis of theology and also on the basis of just sheer intellect, hmm. right? You, you are so dumb, you should not be uh, in a position where you have responsibility over the souls of men. And those same pastors will think, I went out and I preached the gospel, I preached acceptance and I preached love. They'll legitimately think like, I went out and I, I preached the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that Jesus takes broken people, and they'll think they accomplished it. Then you have a whole class, a seminary class for generations and generations that think they're doing gospel work, that they're preaching the gospel, gospel reconciliation, and they haven't even breathed the word of it because they haven't breathed the first part, right. the law that comes in that I, condemns, points to the need to for a point, savior. As I right. did work for this article, a lot of Christians are looking for kind of a smoking gun that shows that the funding behind he gets us is nefarious, unchristian, mm. demonic, kind of like with the um, the after party, right? Yep. That that smoking gun is not emerging. It's not emerging. So far, what we see is that the people who are supporting that he gets us are fairly conservative, Christian, uh, big donor bases, and um, the like, nonprofit organizations, and the owner of Hobby Lobby, the Green family. What's interesting is they support a lot of really legitimately conservative organizations. They support Her uh, Liberty University, they have supported creation science research. They support hmm. the um, American, the, the I forget the name of the law firm right now that always goes to bat for Christians who are being sued, like the gay cake wedding, um, Americans Defending Freedom hmm. law, law Group. They support a lot of legitimately good conservative organizations. And Wes, to your point and what you said earlier too, what the, the, the trouble that we're in um, is not that we are in our camp and arrows are coming mm. from over the wall and managing to find some targets now and then. The problem is that Christians have been taught that Jesus is this weak, tolerant, effeminate man, and the kind of love that he gives is this affirming, uh, tame kind of love. Same. And consequently, many of these Christians think that they are doing the Lord's work, and they even get a sense of quasi-spiritual fulfillment, thinking, I have served the Lord by putting on ads like he gets us. Right. Mm. And to steel man it too, people say it's a minute. Could you really present the gospel in a minute? <laughs> yes. Go look at Jamie Brambeck, his great video. Former, he showed pictures of just former drug addicts, former yeah. adulterers, former individuals that were transgender, and just First Corinthians, such were some of you. Yep. It was a minute. You can present a lot of good truth succinctly, clearly. Obviously, more needs to be built onto it. But it's not the case that, like, oh, you only had so little time and just trying to get across that Jesus, you know, God so loved the world that is true and right. It's not that we're just trying to get across this one point. We didn't have enough time. You can get that across. They chose not to. They, they chose, chose to elevate to. a certain part of That's Jesus' a good character. Because, uh, yeah, to, the devil's advocate would say, oh, you know, you didn't have enough time. You guys, you know, you're doing this podcast, and how long are you going to spend on it? Right. Right? Mm. You're going to be here for an hour. You know, they only had a minute. But uh, you're right. J Jamie did a great job. Um, you should follow his channel if you don't. Um, I, it'd be helpful if I could tell you the handle, um, but I can't, uh, Jamie Brambrick. Is that how you say his name? B-R-A-M-B-R-I-C-K. Yeah. Brambrick. Um, yep. but his YouTube channel, uh, is where he posts all that stuff. You can follow him on Twitter too, but uh, I've reached out to him and talked to him. He's a great guy. He yep. lives in Ireland. Um, and a great Christian guy, but he made a little ad, same amount of time as the He Gets Us ad, uh, but he just changed one vital word, and then the images were different. Uh, but he he called it uh, He Saves Us. Mm. And that right there, just in three words, that already drastically changes the message, mm. because He Gets Us means um, He understands, He agrees. He, he jumps in with he you. He affirms. Um, but He Saves Us immediately begs the question, 
From what? From what? Mm. Why do I need saving? What do you mean he saves us? Right? I mean, like a message of salvation is offensive to the self-righteous. Yep. And, and that's the thing. Everybody thinks of self-righteousness um, as, as, though, um, as though the religious somehow have a monopoly on self-righteousness. <laughs> um, because, and, and part of it is probably because of their reading or their cursory you know, glance reading o- over the Gospels and the New Testament. Right? They're like, well, who was the problem in Jesus' day? It was the religious. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And well, that's, that's a whole can of work that, that we could talk about. But it is true. It is true to say that in Jesus' day, those who were self-righteous were the religious right. rulers. Uh, everybody has varying degrees of self-righteousness, and they're self-righteous about varying, you know, things. Some people might be self-righteous about one one, you know, quality that they deem, you know, very virtuous about themselves, and somebody else is self-righteous about something else. But on the whole, that is true. In Jesus' day, it was the religious rulers um, who who seemed to be the most self-righteous. Right. Um, but we read that, and I think, I think that what, one of the mistakes that we've made exegetically is we've said that uh, there are all different kinds of sins, right? So let's say like perversion mm-hmm. and lying and murder and stealing. And we say, that's, these are sins that fall into a category of the world, unbelievers, mm. the pagan. So pagans murder and lie mm. and steal. Um, but, but the church, Christians... Uh, when it comes to our sins, self-righteousness would be at the top of the list. Yeah. So what we've done is we've taken the sin of self-righteousness, that is a sin, uh, a, a big one, uh, but we've taken the sin of self-righteousness and we've assumed, we've just read into it, isogeted into that, uh, that only um, a Christian is capable of self-righteousness. Only yeah. the religious person um, is capable of self-righteousness. So again, I'll say uh, we have assumed that, uh, that the church somehow has garnished a monopoly on self-righteousness. But all you have to do is go visit Oregon for a day and a half, go to a Starbucks coffee shop, yeah. you know, like just like, you think these people aren't self-righteous? Hmm. You, like go talk to somebody standing on the street with green peace, you know, go and I mean, there's, uh, there, there are a million different forms of self-righteousness. All self-righteousness is, is thinking that you have righteousness in yourself. Yep. Yep. Right. So, so whether you're self-righteous because uh, um, you think you have righteousness in yourself through the avenue of religion, that is one possible way yep. of 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 trying to accrue for yourself your own righteousness. The religious route that is a route, uh, but you can also go the uh, save the environment route. You can go the uh, let in the illegal immigrant route. Yep. Yep. You can go the um, be uh, CRT and be anti-racist route. You can, like there's a lot of there's a lot of different. If you don't think Alexandria Ocasio Cortez is self righteous, then then <laughs> right. again you're just you're, you're right. asleep. You yep. know if you don't think Nancy Pelosi is self righteous, yep. right? So uh, is Trump self righteous? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Is Biden self righteous? Uh huh. Both mm-hmm. think that they're righteous in themselves and there's just different avenues of accruing or at least thinking thinking that you're accruing righteousness and so all that being said my, my point is that um the church does not and has never had a, a, a monopoly on self-righteousness um the world unbelievers even those who are in heinous sins um to assume that just because they're committing some kind of heinous sin like abortion, that they're aware right. that they're sinners mm-hmm. and that they're aware that they're wicked is naive yeah. at best. Um, very often, the, the person who uh, abortion doctors 
um, think that they're righteous. Yeah. They think they're doing the world yeah. a favor. Yep. Bill Gates thinks that he, he's righteous as he talks about, uh, you know, how to lower the the population. I mean, the dude's literally like talking, yeah. like talking about plans for, you know, uh, murdering half the world and, and thinks he's righteous. No, nobody, we, we, we watch too many Disney cartoons. We think that the bad guy knows he's the bad guy and he's right. in the back room. Whoa, mm. ha, 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 ha. That's not how evil works. Evil has always thought, every bad guy always thought he was the good guy. Stalin yeah. thought yeah. he was the good guy. You know, Mussolini thought he was a good guy. They all thought that they were doing the right thing, but they weren't. So people have to be told that they're sinners. Yeah. And you could do that in 60 seconds. Jesus saves us. Oh, I need saving. There's something wrong. Let's cut to our last commercial for the day, and then we'll get right back. The danger of centralized power is often represented by the word king. As Americans, we hate the word king. Civilian ownership of body armor is about helping people to have increased power to resist tyrants and criminals. And so Armored Republic is about helping you to preserve your God-given rights to the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ because he is the king of kings and he governs kings and he will judge them. This is Armored Republic and in a republic, there is no king but Christ. We are free craftsmen and we are honored to be your armor spread of choice. All right, so we're gonna dive a little bit into love and Valentine's Day. Again, our thrust here with this episode is that while there are many problems with the He Gets Us ad commercial, by the way, just to tie a bow on that, this is a $1 billion three-year marketing campaign. Hmm. It is not true that there's no money amongst the Christians to seek cultural change. Hmm. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. But our contention is that while there are many problems with it, right, uh, one of the biggest problems is how it portrays love and specifically portrays Christ. And so we want to talk about love a little bit, today being Valentine's Day. Hmm. And um, I have coined, it might be out there, I came up with it, but patriarchal romance, patriarchal love, okay? And we, I was going to give a history of Valentine's Day a little bit, and one of the reasons I didn't in the article is that actually the history is unclear. So apparently there were possibly two to 12 uh, people named Valentine who were martyred in about the three to 400s. Okay. The most likely source story is that um, one of the emperors, and I, I didn't bring my notes for this, but had actually at one point declared marriage to be illegal. Hmm. All marriage throughout the Roman Empire. It was short, temporary, but he he was having none of it. And there were um, two uh, Christian priests who still would perform marriages for Christians. And both of them were discovered. Both of them were, their name was Valentine. And both of them were executed for uh, sticking to the Christian sacrament of marriage and marrying their people under God. And so they were martyred and executed. Later on, um, there was an emperor who was trying to uh, replace a pagan holiday that was very given to orgies and drunkenness, and um, uh, you know, is, it was as open of a, of a situation as anything we find in our time now. And it was on April fifteenth, uh, I believe, was the day that it fell on. And so he found that these martyrs, the Valentines, had been martyred in February, right around there. And so he replaced the holiday. Um, I wish I had brought my notes for that, but he replaced it with 
an, an honor and homage to St. Valentine, who had been martyred for their commitment to Christian marriage, not necessarily to Christian romance. Then in modern times, in and he ninth, did that to combat the the what was currently going yes. on, which was a pagan. It was erotic, a pagan erotic orgy, perverse, to, like one night of right. No, no rules. Gotcha. Yep. One. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. The purge. Yeah. Roman <laughs> times. Yeah. Yep. Um, in the early 1900s, uh, someone co- wrote a poem about a godly man who was providing for his family and um, kind of revive. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting happy wife, happy life confused. So anyway. Over the years, the idea of St. Valentine being someone who stood for true Christian love, which ironically was marriage, um, developed, and then it's kind of become more secular now. There's not a lot of religious significance behind the the romance and the love that is kind of demonstrated. But it's not bad to have a day where we celebrate romance and marital fidelity and faithfulness and passion and love, and all those things are good. Right, mm-hmm. we're not gonna we're not gonna sit here and say to your point earlier about the the natural order of things. Like these are good things, right? We ought to love our wives. Wives ought to love their husbands, and um, we ought to celebrate that. We Christians are sometimes the worst at celebrating what is good in the mm-hmm. right ways, right? Right, and, we, and so um, that's a little bit about uh, Valentine's Day, but it's why I didn't put it in the article. It, it, right. There's there's mixed mixed there's, stories. There's not a clear consensus. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Valentine's Day. Today yep. is, I don't know, it seems like a far cry from what yep. you just described, like, you know, religious Christian priest yep. defending the sanctity of marriage when yep. you have, you know, some tyrannical overlord, you know, who's trying to somehow forbid all marriage and these yep. priests at risk of their own lives yep. and allegedly yep. actually paid the ultimate price. They actually were put to death. They were willing to defend Christian marriage between one man and yep. one woman. That's not... Today, I feel like Valentine's Day doesn't even have anything to do with marriage. Yep. Hmm. Like even if you look for Valentine's cards, yep. you know it's it's not like they're all written to to my uh, loving wife yep. or to my adoring husband. Yep. It's it's you know it's it's not even it's not there's not even when you come when you approach Valentine's Day, there's not even the assumption that it's going to be within a marriage right. celebrating sure. it. Right. It's probably boyfriend girlfriend a dating situation yep. or it's you know same sex couple yep. or it's whatever or it's somebody valentine to themselves yep. or to their dog or whatever like <laughs> so you know it's i feel like it's completely been yep. you know 100%. hijacked 100 yeah. percent. and this is because christians have given up the definition of love and so originally before the super bowl commercial it was going to be more focused on valentine's day and i said the world's view of love and romance is self-love right? You affirm my identity. I love myself and I love myself either in a literal romance with myself or by coming up with my own definition of what love is, romance is. It can be with someone of my own sex. It can be with multiple people, right? So that's self-love. It's the elevation of what my idea of love is. But complementarian and egalitarian view of love and romance is the love of women, Right, the love of women. And so this is where I was getting into the happy wife, happy life thing, which is a terrible statement because for a lot of reasons I, I won't go into, but the com- the common idea of what good marital love and romance is now is if your wife is happy. If you are making sure that you take her out on a date once a week, I'm not opposed to that. It's good, right? It's good to, to spend time with your wife, to love her, to cherish her as a fellow heir of the grace of life. But so much of what we're told in Christianity about love and romance is if mom ain't happy, ain't no one happy. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And so we elevate the woman 
and the kind of the praise of the woman. And this is really just a not quite on the surface idolatrous view of goddess worship that we've seen for a long time through a lot of history. Um, and in contrast to that, we, we need to recapture love. And in right. my view, true romance and true love has to be hierarchical and it has to be patriarchal. Mm-hmm. And if you'll give me a moment here, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll run a, a, an idea. And if you guys disagree with me, guys, why? If you're live, saying something has to be patriarchal, like, honestly, it's right. like the Spider-Man meme. It's like, you already sold me. <laughs> yeah, could it really yeah, be that bad? Yeah, well, you, you already sold me. The, the moment you said patriarchy, then it's like, all right, I'm on board. All you right, don't so even have to explain it. But for, every, you know, the feminists who might be listening, he, they might need some convincing. I, I'm already convinced. Let me say one thing about Go our ahead. culture's treatment of Valentine's Day. Go ahead. It's very telling that the deepest conception that they have of love is is eros. It's just erotic. Like right. the yep. biggest, erotic. most loving, deepest connection they can fathom or think about and celebrate isn't lifelong. Some of it's not even longer than an evening. Yep. That's what they think it is. It's as shallow as as this deep. And it's very telling. C.S. Lewis talks about this. Like if people think about David and Jonathan, like, right. oh, they loved each other so much. Were they gay? All you are telling on is yourself. Right. That you've never had a friendship that didn't have an erotic sexual component yeah, to either it. You're, you're telling on yourself that either you're gay or you're lonely. At best, <laughs> right. you're lonely. At worst, that's your you're good gay. way out. Right, yeah. yeah. Yep. But no, go ahead. That's a good point. Well, real quick, before you hop into that, there's just on the comments, um, there's A. Allen. And so A. Allen has been uh, just very troubled and very concerned, um, so much concerned and so much troubling uh, by my comments about... Uh, trying to make sure that uh, unborn children aren't ripped into pieces and mm. sucked out of their mother's you know, womb through a vacuum cleaner. And you that need can, to be nicer about that, that. That worries him. And so <laughs> you know, he's, he's very worried about you know, babies not being ripped apart. So what he said um, is uh, earlier backing up in the comments, he said, you know, what about the 10-year-old girl who uh, was forced? Can you find that comment, Nathan, real quick? I love that he used the word forced. Should the 10-year-old rape victim who was forced to travel from Ohio, so not forced into sex, that's what rape is. So that, that would be forced, but that's not where he's using the word. He's saying forced to travel, right? Somebody picked her up and carried her from Ohio to Indiana against her will and forced her to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. Should she get the death penalty, right? So, hey, Alan, you're dumb. That's, that's <laughs> stupid. That is stupid, but let's go ahead and address the stupidity. So should the 10-year-old rape victim, first, that is atrocious. God mm-hmm. hates rape, and her her um, oppressor who raped her yep. should be put to death yes. publicly. He should be hung. Or firing squad. I prefer a firing squad yep. because uh, the whole community can be involved. So the like Israel... Exactly. Israel yep. would... Um, Part of the reason why it was stoning is because the sin was a, a public crime was against the whole people. It affected everybody. Uh, like the sin of Achan affected mm. the whole camp. And so it's saying, no, this is incumbent upon all of you. You all have a moral responsibility yep. to purge the evil one from among you. So the firing squad, the, the, the gallows, um, or even a guillotine for that matter, can be public where everybody's participating in terms of observance, uh, spectating, but, um, but actually putting the person to death. I yep. think that there's some strong biblical uh, reasoning behind that. And as a general equity theonomist, I like the idea of bullets because they're little stones. Yep. Right? I so was thinking about that. I was like, bullets, we have modern day stoning. That's right. Bullets yeah. are little stones. So um, all that being said, first, uh, the rapist should be put to death. Because Absolutely. we love women too. Because that we is love, women. love for women and that's how right. we should cherish the weaker vessel. And then secondly, to answer his question, the 10-year-old, um, if she was forced, all right, so I'll just, I'm going to deal with his question on the face of it, the way he asked it. If she was forced to go out of state, yeah. to go to an abortion clinic and to, uh, and to get an abortion, then no, she should not be put to right. death. 
right? So, so I mean, if that's your question, A. A. Allen, you know, or A. A. Allen, uh, it makes me think of, uh, oh, that's what it is. A. A. Ron, maybe yeah. A. A. Allen, yeah, yeah. that's probably the thing. So if that's the question, um, a, a 10-year-old girl is forced yep. to go to another state and forced to get an abortion there, um, then no, of course she shouldn't be yeah. put to death. She should have no penalty whatsoever mm-hmm. uh, because she was forced. Um, but if what you're actually saying is that um, that she volitionally chose to do that, well, I, I again, equal penalties, equal protection, equal digno- dignity. So first, what are the laws in regards to a 10-year-old? Right. Because it is different. We're talking about a minor, and even if she had volition, so even if she wasn't forced, yep. physically taken to the state, taken to the abortion clinic, strapped down on a table, you know, uh, you know, even if it wasn't she's physically forced to do this, there probably was for a 10 year old to make this decision, there probably was a great deal of coercion. Yep. Yep. And so that has to be taken into account. This 10 year old, who, who ultimately um, is, is going to be responsible for that? Her father. That yes. decision yep. her, uh, comes down on her father. The Bible even talks about um, a woman, if she makes certain yep. vows, um, that they, could actually, they can actually be overridden. If a man makes vows before the Lord, he's bound to them. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, but if a daughter of a man makes certain vows, um, the father actually can step in and say, I'm sorry, sweetheart, that, that was dumb. Um, I'm no. going to override. And she's released from yep. her vows. Yep. Um, and we're not just talking about um, a 21-year-old daughter. We're talking about a 10-year-old, to yep. use A. a-, a- Allen's um, example. So if we're talking about a 10-year-old girl, if she's actually forced in the way that you were the question, then there's no, no penalty for her at all. Uh, but the person who forces her. Yep. So the rapist gets the death penalty, and then the person who forced her, assuming it's an adult, yep. forced her to get an abortion, they should get the death penalty. If she's coerced, there is some volition. She goes along with it. Um, but again, she's a 10-year-old minor under her father's legal care. Um, again, that that is going to be taken into yep. massive consideration um, in the same way that we would treat any other minor if a, if an, a 10-year-old um, commits a, a homicide yep. that's outside of the womb. How would yep. we treat that? Um, they they likely would not get the death penalty. The yep. fact that they're 10 years old would come into play. And if it was a 10-year-old murder in any other instance, a homicide with, you know, they're murdering someone who is born, a, a, a born person, not an unborn baby, um, it's possible that, that, that this could be done uh, where it's just them and the parents had no knowledge, right? right? But in this case, um, it's it's virtually impossible that this girl... Um, went out of state, found a bus or a plane or whatever, traveled, yeah. traveled all by herself. I don't even know if a 10-year-old could get on a bus. I, I don't know. You know like, if you call California, travel. they'll fly you over there. <laughs> but by yourself? They'll send a plane and pick up a 10-year-old without any, like, I mean, I, I don't, don't even Calif- know. Yeah. If anybody would do it, California would. <laughs> but so anyways, um, my point is a 10-year-old could murder a born person right. um, in, uh, on, on the playground. With, with their parents, you know, 15 miles away at home, right. you know, and, and, and completely unaware of the situation. But to get on, a, in this case, an abortion, to get on a bus, to go to another state, to schedule an appointment, to go into the appointment, to get the procedure, the killing, to all the, uh, there's no way that she did that right. uh, by herself, meaning yep. some adult was involved. So one, she's 10, right? She's a minor. Two, um, as a minor, uh, not only the cognitive ability being highly questionable, and that should come into play. But in addition to that, not just her, that she's undeveloped as a 10-year-old girl, uh, but also she is is legally and just practically incapable of, of carrying this, this deed out without help, yep. without mm-hmm. someone uh, either talking her into it, coercion, or at least abating and, and abetting and, and helping her in this process, which again would transfer guilt to another party, yep. at least partial transfer of guilt to another party. So to answer your question, A. Allen, um, no, a, a 10-year-old rape victim um, 
who's forced to go to another state and get an abortion would not get the death penalty. Um, but I think you know that, and your question is stupid. Yeah. So, all right. And 95% abortions, they're elective for lifestyle choices. Yep. Don't take the 1% of the 1% and say, this whole theory is invalid. Right. No, no, no. That's not the majority of the cases. And, yeah, that's and foolish. Something that the abolitionists... That's like one woman could bench 300 pounds, so right. let's, let's, uh, all women <laughs> should play in the NFL. Sounds reasonable to me. Right. Yeah, something that the abolitionists say that's very helpful is the law has to be established. And then we have judges for a reason mm. to adjudicate the situation. That's good. To say, wait a minute, is this... Is this a little bit outside? Is this inside the law? And then they make sentencing decisions and there's some leeway there, right? And that's actually biblical, where you evaluate, you have the law, but then there's leeway to apply sentences and account for the circumstances that were present when the when the murder happened. And that that's already built into our law. The judges look at the the mitigating factors and decide yeah. what was going on. Right. Yep. So. Right. Okay. So Okay. Go for it, Michael. Sorry. Patriarchal love. We are used to, as Christians, I'll use the example of um, sex within marriage. Okay. We are used to the idea of saying love needs to be bounded. Mm. Okay? There's a fence around certain um, deeds of love, right? And so we, we are used to saying uh, sex ought to be within the fence of marriage. Okay? That's, that's fine. But what I have realized is that biblically, there is a fence, but it's not around a flat field. It's around a tiered rice paddy, hmm. right? And so if you think about a family, it is true that a family, members of a family are to love each other more than they love the family down the street and more than they love the family in Australia. However, within that family, there are steps. It is it, The way a father shows love to his children is not the way that children are supposed to show love to their father, even hmm. though they're supposed to have a greater commitment of love to the members in that family. Right. A father shows love to his children by providing for them, by disciplining them, by condescending to them. You know, the, the dad gets down on the rug and plays with the one-year-old, right? He condescends to the one-year-old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A child does not condescend to his father. Right. He does not discipline his father. And so God has built hierarchy into all structures in society. And love not only needs to be within the bounds but it needs to flow the way the hierarchy demands. And so when we think about society in this way, imagine you've got two teachers. One is a blue-haired blue lesbian trans rights activist who is indoctrinating her students and grooming them to transition their genders, whatever that means. Another is a teacher who is working behind the scenes to try and be given permission to pray before her classes both in the non-public school, both teachers, both with students. There's a sense where in society, we ought to have a hierarchy of raising and lowering, of showing a different kind of love to the people that need to be lowered than to the people that need to be elevated. The woman, the teacher who's fighting for prayer in her classroom, the way we show her love is by elevating her, supporting her, honoring her, coming to her defense, paying her legal bills if necessary. We raise her up as an example of godliness and virtue. The woman who is grooming children, the way we show love to her is we knock her down. And this is for several reasons, two reasons. One, if she doesn't repent, she will go to hell. Mm -hmm. But secondly, if she persists in grooming these children into quote unquote transitioning, not only will she go to hell, as Jesus said, it's better for the millstone to be hung around the neck than to cause the little ones to stumble. And so her 
penalty in hell will be even worse for every child that she leads down that destructive, sinful, wicked road. Right. And so our love for her is not only to knock her down, but to get her removed from that position. The love that we show in a society elevates people for godliness, for honor, for virtue, and it lowers people for wickedness, for foolishness, and for um, immorality of that of that level. And so this this idea that hierarchy is built into society, it's built into marriage relationships. Husband doesn't love his wife the way a wife loves her husband. The love has to flow the direction that the hierarchy demands, even when it's already within the border that God has given, mm. right? And, th- and that, for me, we are not going to win the battle against pagan romance. We're not going to win the battle against he gets us presenting a false image of Christ and the love that he offers until we're willing to exercise hierarchical, strong, masculine male love in women. And when you're willing and ready to uh, exercise feminine, godly, receiving, submissive love, until that happens, we've given up the definition of love. And so mm-hmm. that anyone who watches that Super Bowl commercial thinks, oh, that's what loving is. Well, I guess that's how Christians should be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. No, that's good. So love, it's not just, uh, it's not merely enough that love stays within its bounds, yep. but then within its bounds, it, it can't be less than that, right. but it's more than that. So it must stay within its bounds, but then within its bounds, love has to flow in the right directions, in the right way. Yep. Different forms of love? or how, Would you word it like that? Well, or, I don't know if it's... It's not different Different, de- different demonstrations of love. Di- okay, yeah. different how, manifestations. How you, how you show your love to your wife is different than how a wife is going to show you right. love. So it's not even different differing degrees. Like right. There are no. moments where like my kids, I mean, my kids, they love me. Yeah. You know, um, but not not in the same way. Right. So it's not even varying degrees. No. Like my, it's it's not that a, you know that my wife shouldn't love me or should right. love me half as much as I love her. Correct. But um, but it's but the way that she loves yes. me, the the form or the manifestation, the demonstration of love, is if she, my wife loves me through honor, through respect, yep. um, deference. Yep. Um, I, I love her through affection, encouragement, adoration, provision, protection. Yep. yep. Yeah. Any thoughts on? What Michael was saying about love and patriarchal love, hierarchical, hierarchical love. Yeah, I mean, just to give an encouragement, I guess, to the women, you'll see this sometimes said online, but for just a woman to just that loves a man, that if she's able to be a stay-at-home woman, to give him children, cook a good meal, and be sweet when he comes home, there are just about no limits to what a man would do for her. Yeah. I think Luther said something to the effect of, uh, "Give me beer and a good woman, and I'll conquer the world." Mm. Like you may not have tried it. Give it a try. See what love yeah. and encouragement putting one another up, we're so tempted to, and I find this myself, neuroticism, to focus on the negative. What Proverbs says it's mm-hmm. a glory to cover an offense. So even if you've had a tough day, he's had a tough day, to welcome him in sweetly, that will move mountains. And it'll move mountains for a number of reasons. One of the biggest ones is that God's designed it that way to work. He's mm-hmm. designed for the woman to give that affection and that warmth and that joy, for the man to give the love and the protection and the security. So when you do things the way that God designed it, Amen. Uh, don't be surprised if it goes really well. And it mm-hmm. and it doesn't always, not to say there aren't ex- cases that are way out there, but the majority of the time, God will bless uh, as we live in accordance to how he's made the world and in accordance to how he's written his word. Amen. Any final thoughts for today? It's a good summation. My final thought is A. Allen <laughs> is just coming back in the comments, and I just... I mean, it's a perfect time to end the podcast, but it's just so dumb. I just feel like he needs to be publicly embarrassed <laughs> again. So one last public shaming for A. Allen. God bless you. Uh, Nate, can you scroll back up to one of his comments? 
I mean, there's there's several of them, and it's hard to determine. You know, it's a it's a fierce competition for which one's the dumbest. But go down a little bit. I think that's it. Uh, here we are. Um, they aren't for convenience. He's this talking about abortion. abortion. So yeah, yeah abortions. Yeah. Uh, um, you know, other people in the chat, Christians. So there's Christians, and then there's A. Allen. So the Christians in the chat are saying that uh, most abortions, ninety five percent of them, are done for convenience. Um, and A. Allen is arguing that they aren't done for convenience. The majority are done for economic reasons because the baby can't be supported financially or economically. Do you guys have any thoughts? Well, about I that? will say most this. Most of slavery was for economic reasons. <laughs> That's true too, but there are more people. That's a great point. There are more people on lists to adopt children in America than there are children to be adopted. Right. Which means yeah. we have a because negative they deficit. Keep killed. That's right. But what I'm saying million, is right million. now, if we got serious about it, there are more families that want kids than kids that would be born. And sadly, a lot of adoption agencies are making it more difficult. Yep. Like I understand, right? It's not like you're, you know, it's not like you're buying a toy, sure. you know. Or, right. It's not even you like you're buying people. an AR, yep. you know? Like, yep. I mean, there's you know, maybe some yep. responsibility there, but it's like, this is a human being. You're yep. taking home a kid. Yep. So I understand that like, there needs to be proper vetting and all these kinds of things. You, you don't want just anyone, you know? Uh, but we know that's not the problem. The problem, I, I don't think the problem is, you know, adoption. I'm sure there's some good ones. So let me, let me caveat by saying, I'm sure there's some good Christian adoption agencies. Okay, so that being said, at least for some of these adoption agencies, vetting um, doesn't yeah. seem to be like the real holdup because if it was vetting, then right. they wouldn't be giving kids to two gay dudes, mm. right? So, mm. you know, like like uh, Dave Rubin wouldn't yeah. have a kid, you know? So obviously it's- That's even worse, that's surrogacy. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's, which is a form of slavery. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah, just farming out babies yep. to, to gay dudes, you yep. know? And then we find out 12 years later, you know, on the news that- Who would have thought? They were, you know, molested. Yeah. So anyways, um, but- uh, I don't think it, you know, there should be some vetting, but I don't think a lot of these adoption agencies, or at least some of them are doing that. But there is a sense, Eric Kahn talked about this and the world lost its mind, you know, on Twitter <laughs> and got really, really, really upset. And when I say the world, I mean Christians, <laughs> um, you know, shocking. But um, but his point was saying that, you know, that, uh, that the adoption, you know, industry is an industry. Yeah. yeah. And it's a multi-billion dollar industry. It's a bit, you know, there's a buck to be made, you know. And so that's, I think that's part of the holdup is... Um, Adoption, on, on one hand, needs to be hard, it needs to be difficult to adopt a baby. Uh, but I think, uh, sadly, uh, because there's sin and wickedness in the world, there's a lot of you know adoption, you know, um, hoops that are not actually concerned for the child, right. but are concerned for a buck. So that's part of the problem. And then you know, and then also, uh, like you said, there's just not enough babies to adopt because because they keep getting killed yeah. instead. Uh, you know, yeah. so there are. So, anyways, back to A. A. Allen's, you know. Dumb comment. Um, uh, if she can't afford the child, um, adoption is uh, massive, viable, right there. You, you know, um, does does a woman? I don't know if it's just the agency or the state or what. Does the woman get any money when when a child is adopted? No, foster families do. Okay. Um, I, well, I sh if she keeps the baby, there's going to be lots of money available. Okay. Well, yeah, yeah. You well, know. that and that's a, so yeah. one, she can give them up for adoption, and then two, you yeah. know. Um, of course, like, no, I'm not a huge fan of this, obviously, right. but yeah, but right now, like, I mean, there are women who literally have babies and they've even said this verbally, you know, say they're having babies because they, they make so much money from the state right. for right. each child that they have. Uh, the state incentivizes women not to marry the father of their children. Right. She, like the state comes in and says, um, if you marry the father of that baby and, uh, and expect him to provide for the child, um, you get nothing. That's right. But if you will send him away, and allow this child to be a bastard, 
um, and, and Uncle Stan gets to be Daddy Sam, um, we'll pay you handsomely yeah. to mm. do so. And, yeah. and, this, and this is, again, an example, A. Allen's comment, of the false love. It, it, you think you're being loving by saying the woman will be in a tough spot economically. Yeah. And so we are going to love her. We're going to get down in the mud with her. You cannot violate God's commands and be showing love. Mm. Romans 14, 13, love fulfills the law. Yeah. Right? Love fulfills right. the law. So sometimes love can go beyond the law. I can just choose to buy somebody a gift. I can't go under the law. I can't be less than the law and call it love. It is not love to be less or violating right. the law. Right. How loved does that baby feel? Yeah. Right. It, it doesn't. Without and even if you have the worst uphill climb ahead of you, even if the baby has Down syndrome or special needs, yep. murdering it is still off the table. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if it will bankrupt you and it will be tough. You can't murder a helpless child. Right. Yep. Two wrongs don't make a right. Yeah. If, you know. And this is the vast minority of cases, but if it happens to be, God forbid, one of these rare cases where you know a woman actually is raped, and even a minor, a young girl, mm. is raped, uh, two wrongs in God's economy, His moral economy, two wrongs don't make a right. right. You don't fix the, the the initial wrong by committing a second. You don't say, "Well, um, somebody did something wrong to me, so now I'm going to do something wrong to someone else, right. another person, namely this baby." Mm. Um, right. So this man hurt me, so then I'm going to hurt them not 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 it's not even vengeance it's not right. even yep. uh, vigil anti uh, you know like t- you know it's taking already it into, bad. right exactly like you know that should be done th- through the proper order through the right. civil magistrate that man who raped you should should receive the proper consequences from the par- proper party from right. the state um if a woman retaliated and took it into her own hands uh, vengeance towards him that would be wrong but we're not even talking about that we're not saying uh, he did wrong to you and so now you're you're trying to get back at him no, he did wrong to you, and then you're turning around and saying, "Well, you know, forget him. I won't do anything to him. This innocent uh, bystander, this baby, yep. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to take their life." Mm-hmm. It just, it, yeah, it just makes absolutely no sense. All right, well, um, I think that's it. Nathan, can you scroll down? Are there any final comments? I will resist. I will resist. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah, I know, I know. But trolls make for good conversations sometimes. Sometimes you just ignore them, and then sometimes you just call them stupid on live air again and again, and the people love it. So, and thousands of people get to say, what yeah, a dumb yeah, interlocker. good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you guys for tuning in, and uh, we will be back next week. So every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Yep. with Michael and Wesley doing the live stream. Wednesday is 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, but the next episode that we'll have for you guys will be this Friday. So Friday we'll have Andrew Isker and A.D. Robles, myself, again, continuing the Boniface Option series. That's this Friday at 4 p.m. Central. It'll be on Twitter, YouTube. Um, our app, you know, podcast with, you know, every, everywhere you want to find it. Thanks.